Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. So it's Banned Books Week, a campaign by the American Library Association to promote reading books that some powers that be don't want you to be reading. Now, attempts to ban books have ramped up a lot this past year. And not at all surprisingly, some of the most challenged books are books written by Black authors for a YA audience. So we're going to feature two of those books on the show today. In a bit, we'll hear from Jason Reynolds and Brendan Keeley about their 2015 book, All American Boys. But first, Angie Thomas's The Hate You Give is about a young girl named Star whose friend, Khalil, is shot and killed by a cop. Thomas talked to former NPR host Lulu Garcia Navarro in 2017, and there's a section where Thomas talks about the Khalils in her own life, unarmed black men killed by police, and how often people hyperfixate on their past and what imperfect things they may have done, rather than what was done to them. When I was 12, my parents had two talks with me. One was the usual birds and the bees. The other talk was about what to do if a cop stopped me. That's Angie Thomas reading in the voice of her narrator, Star Carter, early on in her debut novel. Mama fussed and told Daddy I was too young for that. He argued that I wasn't too young to get arrested or shot. Star Star, you do whatever they tell you to do, he said. Keep your hands visible. Don't make any sudden moves. Only speak when they speak to you. Star Carter is 16 when she confronts the exact situation her father warned her about. She's in the car with her friend Khalil when he is shot and killed by a cop. The case becomes national news, putting a dichotomy in Star's life into even greater relief. She lives in Garden Heights, the gang-ravaged neighborhood where her father keeps his store, but she goes to school at Williamson Prep, where she's only one of a handful of black kids. The book is called The Hate You Give. It's a hotly anticipated book. It's gotten rave reviews, and it's Angie Thomas's debut novel. She joins us now from Jackson, Mississippi. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. It's a pleasure. Can you describe the two stars we meet in the book? Well, the two stars I think a lot of young African-Americans can relate to because there's this whole thing that we call code switching. At Star's neighborhood, Star is known as Big Mav's daughter. Um, Her father was a former gang member, and he's turned his life around. But there's also his past that sometimes is brought up. But there's Williamson Star, who does not speak about where she's from. And it comes from a small place of shame, but it's also a place of trying to fit in because she's in a school where mostly is mostly white and it's mostly upper class. She has classmates who are driving Benzes, whereas she's dropped off every morning. So she has to try to figure out who she is, where she is. And once this unfortunate event happens in her life, the struggle becomes even harder. You talk about how code switching is something that African Americans have to do a lot. Is it something you have experience with? I absolutely have experience with it. Um, I went to a mostly white, upper-class, private college here in Jackson, but I was from a neighborhood that is known for all of the wrong reasons, and for lack of better words, we will call it the hood. So I knew I had to fight against a stereotype of being a ghetto girl, um, and I had to fight even harder to show that I was intelligent and that I was capable of being there just like my counterparts. You just mentioned that you went to a mostly white college similar to Star, your main character. Is that the model? Is Did you use your experiences in informing how she uh, is presented in the book? 
Absolutely. Um, at the time when I was in college, Oscar Grant had just lost his life in Oakland, California. He was an unarmed young black male who had a record. And at the time when his death was making headlines, more people were talking about what he had done in his past than the fact that he unjustly lost his life. And at my school, I heard a different conversation than I may have heard in my neighborhood about Oscar. At school, he may have deserved it. At school, he he was in the wrong. But at home, he was one of our own, and we knew Oscar. We saw Oscar every single day. And the only thing I knew how to do at the time was write. So I actually wrote the short story that would later become The Hate You Give while I was a senior in college. So the central catalyst of the novel is the death of Star's old dear friend, Halil. Is that modeled on Oscar? A little bit, yes. Um, And uh, honestly... There was inspiration from a lot of these cases that we see with unarmed black people losing their lives. Michael Brown, when he lost his life, there was more focus on what he had done sometimes than what was done to him. And I looked at Khalil because I know Khalil's. I see Khalil's every single day. I grew up with Khalil's um, who have made decisions that may not be the best. But at the time when Khalil is in his last moments of his life, his past should not have an effect on what happens to him in that moment. So Khalil is a combination of a lot of what we see with young black men, particularly when they lose their lives. She gets a lot of support throughout the book, your character star. There's a lot of people helping her on her journey. At the end, she kind of leans towards activism. Do you want that to be something that your young readers take away from from this? Well, I do. And I also want them to realize and understand that activism has different forms. Um, We're seeing young people find their own voices and find their activism. Um, We're seeing like Marley Diaz, for example, who is doing 1,000 Black Girls Books Drive. Um, We're seeing that. That's a form of activism. And I think when with Star, she does find her voice through a certain form of activism, but that's because of the situation she was in. But I hope that it it helps other reader helps readers understand, excuse me, that they can find their voices as well, and that their voices matter. Um, I think that's the big takeaway from the book is that Star realizes her voice matters. The title of the novel is taken from Tupac Shakur. Uh, was he an influence on you and your writing? And and tell us about the title of the book. Absolutely. Um, I often say that I want to write like Tupac rapped. I could listen to his album, and within a few minutes, I could go from thinking deeply to laughing to crying to partying. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to do as a writer. I want to make you think at times. I want to make you laugh at times. I want to make you cry at times. So um, he was an influence in that way, but also the title itself comes from the tattoo that he had across his abdomen that so many people know him for, um, that thug life tattoo. And what people don't realize is that it actually stood for the hate you give little infants F's everybody. And he explained that as meaning that what society feeds into youth has a way of coming back and affecting us all. And in the novel, we see that in the form of riots and we see that in the form of anger and frustration. Um, Even we see it in in Star um, and how she feels after seeing this unfortunate tragedy take place. I couldn't get the whole thug life in there, (laughs) but it would have been a long title. But um, that really got to the core of what I was trying to say and do in the book. Angie Thomas's new novel is called The Hate You Give. Thanks. It was great to talk to you, really. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Authors Jason Reynolds and Brendan Kiley were kind of stunned and confused after the one-two punch between George Zimmerman being found not guilty of killing Trayvon Martin and a cop killing Michael Brown in Ferguson. And so they wrote a book inspired by it, All American Boys, about two high school boys and an act of police violence. NPR's Karen Grigsby Bates spoke to them in 2016, and they talked about wanting to write a book about something maybe the adults weren't ready to talk about yet, but kids definitely were. Brendan Kiley and Jason Reynolds were both authors with the same publisher, but they didn't meet until 2013 when Simon & Schuster sent them on a group tour of male authors. While they were on the road, a Florida jury found George Zimmerman not guilty in the death of Trayvon Martin. That sparked national outrage and protests. Jason Reynolds remembers his discomfort. And so here I am on this tour. I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm, I'm sort of wrought with emotion and I'm traveling and living with a stranger. But soon he discovers he and Brendan Kiley had more in common than he thought. It turns out, though, that as the conversation eventually arose, that he, he was as frustrated and as angry and as confused and as upset as I was. And so we started to talk about these things. They became not just colleagues but friends and continued talking until something else happened the next year. And in August, Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson, and that was sort of the final straw. And uh, Brendan actually came to me and he said, look, man, I can't take it anymore. Like, we have to do something. Uh, will you write this book with me? Can we do this thing together? And, you know, who says no to that, you know? The result is All American Boys, a short novel told in alternate chapters by high school classmates Quinn, who is white, and Rashad, who is black. The tension is established pretty early on. Rashad is wrongly accused of shoplifting in a convenience store. A policeman in the store drags Rashad outside and beats him so badly he has to be hospitalized. Quinn is nearby. He sees the whole thing and just wants it to go away. But a number of people documented the beatdown on their cells and pressed send. Soon, it's on the news and in social media. Everybody's seen the video except Quinn, who refuses to look. The policeman is a close family friend. No way I was watching that video. I wanted to erase the whole damn memory from my mind, but I couldn't because it was like the whole damn high school had been there on the street with me. Everybody had seen it. That's Brendan Kiley reading a passage in Quinn's voice. Kylie says Quinn is concerned, but in an abstract way. He wants to pretend he hasn't seen Rashad get beaten. But ultimately, he knows he can't, because he has to, to acknowledge it and see it. You know, he might not be in the video, but he was on the street. That's a metaphor for him, and I think for many of us in America, especially those of us who are white who have escaped this kind of brutality, to recognize that we do have a role to play, that we can't just shut it off and pretend it's not there. Rashad, meanwhile, has to convince his father of his innocence. His parents always instructed him how to act when he meets police to assure them he's harmless. Jason Reynolds says he got the same lecture from his parents when he was Rashad's age. I think people believe that as long as you carry yourself respectively that you won't be victimized. In this passage, Rashad's parents see him in the hospital for the first time. His nose has been broken, his ribs too. One eye is swollen shut. Mom was clearly horrified, but Dad, he had on that son-you-aren't-telling-me-everything look. And it was clear that to him, I had to have done something wrong to bring this on. Well, were your pants sagging? Dad interrogated, now back over by the door. Were my pants sagging? I repeated, shocked by the question. What does that have to do with anything? Rashad's pants weren't, but that's beside the point, says Reynolds. And even if it isn't the case, even if a a young person does have his pants sagging, that doesn't mean that he deserves to be brutalized. Eventually, the school, then the town, divide over whether the policeman who beat Rashad stepped over the line or was just doing his job. Neighbors don't speak. 
School friendships are broken. But Quinn comes to see that condoning racial profiling, especially when it results in violence, is wrong. He chooses a side. Brendan Kiley and Jason Reynolds say they hope their book will be a jumping-off point for kids who want to discuss race, even when it makes their parents squirm. But no matter what the adults say, nine times out of ten, the young people are ready to talk. All American Boys may give them a way into that conversation. And that's it for this week on NPR's Book of the Day. Let us know what you think. You can write to us at bookoftheday at npr.org. I'm Andrew Limbong. The podcast is produced by Mason Tran and edited by Megan Sullivan. Our founding editor is Petra Mayer. The show Elements for this week were produced and edited by Junaki Mehta, Courtney Dorning, Elena Burnett, Mallory Yu, Karen Zamora, Isabella Gomez, Fernando Nato, Samantha Balaban, Barry Hardiman, Christine Arismith, and Shaul Duvall. Beth Donovan is our managing editor. Thanks for listening.